We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Well, we're going to continue this Advent, meaning coming in the Latin. Last week we spoke about hope, and and I hope that you found it helpful in your walk, uh, as as I did. Um, but again, this week we're speaking on love. Let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning understand the, the concepts of trademarks? I think that's a pretty common thing in our culture. Trademarks are designed for companies to be very identifiable based off of a logo instead of having this long spill about who they are as a company. And it's, it's supposed to be this, this small little logo that, that gives you the idea of what this company is all about. And so you find designs like this. Who is this? Is there a word up there or just a picture? Okay, what do they sell? They sell everything. Phones, computers. You see, that's a trademark. I didn't have to say anything about the name of the company. You knew exactly by the picture in which it identified the company. How about this one? Chevrolet, what do they sell? Cars, pickup trucks, vans. How about Facebook? I didn't put a logo up there, you know. A little thumbs up, you know. How about Geico? A little lizard, right? You don't even have to these days have a, have a logo. You can have an animal that describes the company. And so trademarks aren't limited simply to companies. They can be animals or they can even be people. How about this one? I'm loving it. I ate there this morning. It's healthy. But you get my point. I'm trying to take us somewhere before we get into our passage this morning. The question that I have for you today as we begin this message on love during this Christmas season, I want to ask you this, what trademark would you best be associated with this year? As we step from this year into next year. If, if, if you could be a trademark for something, what would it be? So if you will, let's turn to the book of John, 1 John chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 7 to 14, verse John, chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. reads this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. One who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for the sins, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. We love one another. God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this, 
we know that we abide in Him and He in us because we, because He has given us His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You know, as Christians, just like many companies out there are known by trademarks. And so Christians is known by something in which they propel themselves to be. This passage of Scripture I want us to see starts out with the the word beloved. Uh, The beloved would have been considered the Christians of this time in which this letter is written. Those that were loved by uh, John, the church, and the Lord. And so this message, this passage, should speak to the hearts of those that are found this morning in the household of God. Those that are born again believers. And, and as I look across, I, I would consider most of you born again. And so this should be a message that, that perks up our ears because it's to us. Yes, it's to the world, it's to the unbelievers as well. But it's especially to us. As Christians, this passage should speak to our hearts. And so we need to listen to the words of the Lord this morning. John instructs the Christians here as he says in this seventh verse, let us love one another. Notice here that John includes himself in this command. He he understands that this is not just like you love me, but let us Love one another. There's plurality in love in the body of Christ. I not only have to love you, but you have to love me, and we have to love each other. There's plurality in that. The the Greek verb here is in the present tense. It gives the idea of, of continuation. And so it's not like, well, I loved you yesterday, that's good enough, and well, you know, you made me mad today, so I'm not going to love you today. No, it's, it's, it gives the idea of a continuation of love that continues now and on into the future. It gives the idea of continuation. And so you could say here, let us go on loving one another. And so the question that we have to ask that comes about from this imperative, this command, is what does it mean to love? Really, ultimately, that's what it's about. What does it mean to love? Would you not all agree that we've told somebody recently, probably, that we love them? Listen to this definition that I found that I think sums up the very idea of love. Agape love. That's what this love is is speaking of. Love, agape love is a strong, non-sexual affection in regard for a person and their good is understood by God's moral character, especially characterized by a willing forfeit of rights or privileges in another person's behalf. Wow. Stop right there for a second. Look at your wife. And tell your wife, your father, your mother, your aunt, tell them you love them. Look at each other and tell them, tell each other you love each other. Now ask yourself the question. 
Do you mean it? Do we really mean it? Because love, which God is going to call us us today, is a love that is strong, non-sexual affection in regard for that person, their good, and an understanding by God's moral character. It's based off of God's moral character, this love in which He's calling us to. Characterized by a willingness to forfeit your rights for one another and privileges on their behalf. Let me tell you what, this verse kicked my teeth in. And this week, I had to get with my wife and apologize to her. Because as I studied this thing and my children, God impressed into my heart, you don't love all the time like you say you do. Based off of this. When we begin our sermon on the advent of love with the command to do almost the seemingly impossible, how is it possible that you or I or your husband or your wife or your children can love you based off the moral characters of God on a daily basis? Seems impossible. We were called to have regard for a person and their good is understood by the moral character of God. That means that if our love doesn't meet the criteria based upon this character, then it's not really agape love. Then we don't really mean what we say. We say what we say because it's the right thing to say. And you and I as Christians are commanded to love in this fashion. Not only your husband and your wives, remember this letter is written to Christians for the body, for the edification of one another. Love one another in the body of Christ. So the same way you look at your wife, you tell them you love them, do you look at your brother with a sister and tell them you love them and have that same affection for them in the body of Christ. We are called to love. To, reg- to have regard for, for the good of that person. Forfeiting our rights and our privileges on behalf of someone else. That is a major job. That's not the, the Christmas message that I had planned on preaching. But as I wanted to expound what it was for God to love the world. I thought about preaching John 3.16 and... You know, a pretty popular message this time of the year is we talk about love and how God so loved the world. Matter of fact, while I studied, again, I had to go home and apologize to my wife and my children because by my words, they did not meet my actions many of the days of my life. Yes, I love my wife, but too many times I come home and I don't want to do certain things. I'm tired. She may text me and say, honey, can you pick up the mustard? You see, God tested me a little bit this week. I'd been sick and I had to go do some work in Beaufort. And I was not feeling well. And she texted me and said, honey, on your way home, could you 
pick up some mustard and, and hear God's convicted in my heart. I haven't had a chance to talk with her, to apologize and tell her I love her and how much she meant to me. And so I was driving home and I said, you know, I better stop and get that mustard. Because that's self-sacrificial. Something so small, but I can promise you to her it meant a lot. Because she knows that if I don't want to do it, typically I'm not going to do it. And so for me to go out of my way and do something that she knew I probably wasn't privy to do, then that meant a lot to her. So I had to apologize because my words didn't meet my actions. How can we really ever expect to accomplish such a noble task of loving in this way on a daily basis? It is really the impossible task. God has called us to do something that seems impossible. But the question is, will God ever call us to do something that's impossible? Does that make sense of God? Well, Ian Bounds asked this very same question. You know who Ian Bounds was? He was a powerful man of prayer. He wrote The Power of Prayer, a book that is all about prayer and a great book. But he asked this question, does God give commandments which men cannot obey? Is he so illogical, so severe, so unloving as to issue commandments which cannot be obeyed? I like his response to his own question. He says, the answer is that in all the records of Holy Scripture, not a single instance is recorded of God having commanded any man to do a thing which was beyond his power. God Is God so unjust and so inconsiderate to require a man that which he is unable to render? He says to infer this is to slander the very character of God. God could never ask us as His children to do something beyond our ability. And so the question is, how do we make sure that we can accomplish this in our daily lives? Does that mean we're going to be perfect? Does that mean we're going to love our wife every day of our life? Does that mean she's going to love me every day of my life? Does that mean I'm going to love you as your brother in Christ and you're going to love me? I'm going to step on your toes and you're going to step on my toes and that's okay. We're not perfect. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. The reality is, unless we are born again of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot accomplish this task. It begins first by understanding who Jesus Christ is. And that task is beyond the earthly realm. Only God can save a man. Why? Well, verse 7 continues. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. wonder why we... See the church in America today so bitter and fighting and griping and moaning and complaining and there's just all of this disunity that, that falls within the household of God in churches across our nation. I believe that we have churches filled with people who claim to know the plan of salvation and yet fail to know the man of salvation in a personal manner. Having that personal, intimate, regenerate life in Jesus Christ that comes from knowing that yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Understanding that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, He forgives us, He saves us, and He indwells us with the Holy Spirit. 
The fact that we are sinful people. When we are born again, God convicts our hearts and makes known our faulty love. And He makes it aware that we need to work on how we love one another in the household of God. And so we should ask ourselves this. Even when we think we are loving, we need to ask the question, do we love under the basis of God's moral character? So we have to ask the question, do we, uh, do we love with patience? Do we love with mercy? Do we love with purity? Do we love with self-denial? Do we love with humility? Do we love with modesty? Do we love with kindness? See, all of these things fall within the, in, the, in the body of Christ. Would you not agree? Yes, they do. And the question is, do we love under these characters? These are moral characters of God. You see, it's hard to love one another in this kind of magnitude. It's impossible without Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible without dying to self because everything in us desires to receive, to take, to own, to get. That's how we're programmed in the flesh. But you see, during this Advent season, as we prepare to celebrate on December 25th, the the Messiah, the Christ, the one for us, not against us. We begin to celebrate the birth of our Savior Jesus. We see God showing us the greatest example of love that you and I have ever had the opportunity to see. It's based upon His moral character because God is love. And if God is love, then everything that God does is based, rooted, and entrenched in love. And that means that everything we do, everything we say and the things we act on should be rooted, should be entrenched and based in love, founded in His moral character. Can you today say that everything you've done this month, this week, this year has been entrenched in the love of God? God wouldn't call us to love if it wasn't possible. You see, that's the reward here, to know that God wouldn't call us to do something we couldn't do. It's possible to love in this kind of fashion. doesn't mean we're always going to have it perfect, but there is a possibility that we can accomplish this in our reliance on God. He says here in verse 9, By this, the love of God was manifested in us. What What does this mean? By this, the love of God was manifested in us. This what? This that God has sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. By God sending His Son, Jesus Christ the Messiah, into the world to to save the world, He has disclosed to you and to me, to the entire world, whom He is. And that brothers and sisters, is love. The love of God was manifest, was made manifest. Manifested means to make visible that which was invisible. You see, the love of God has been shown in the Old Testament throughout 
the people of the Old Testament. We see the love of God through the deliverance of, of Noah in the flood. We see the love of God through Esther as she went before the king given her favor. We see the love of God was shown to David in his protection from Saul. We, we see the love of God shown over and over and over in the Old Testament. But his love, my friends, was made known to the world. And he was made manifest by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for all mankind. We might live through him. Because those that lived prior to the cross looked forward to the cross. And those that live after the cross looked back to the cross. Both needing Jesus as Savior of the world. And so our being, our actions, our lives, our marriages, our family, our ministries should all be impacted by the love of God that has been made visible. We don't just open presents and hang lights and put up stockings and place a tree during this Christmas season. Yes, we do those things. We are to make known to the world that God sent His Son into the world to reveal His love for us as His people, as His children, and those that are outside of these doors this morning that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We can't love God or others on our own because we don't know how to love on our own. And so we have to rely on God. And so he says in verse 10, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This act of love is based upon, again, the moral character of God. It was spotless. It was an act of love rooted in patience and mercy and self-denial and humility and kindness. All of those things fit Jesus Christ coming How many kings have stepped down from the throne? (laughs) The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven became a child living in human flesh that, that went through the same things you and I suffer with. He had hunger pains in the wilderness. He had temptations. And yet he was successful to show us that we can be successful You see, we can experience the good news that God has to offer in our lives until we understand the bad news in which He reveals. The bad news this morning is that you and I, were we're not perfect. Sorry to ruin some of your Christmases, maybe. But we're not perfect. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we're all sinful. None is righteous. No, not one. We've lied, we've stolen, we've looked at another in lust, and we've committed adultery with our eyes. We've done things that the world would see as good and with bad intention, making it evil. We've, we've robbed God through our tithes and our offering, and we have did this, and we have done that, and that's the bad news. But the good news is that God loved you and me And that while we were yet sinners, Christ came into the world to be our propitiation. The bad news 
is always bad news until the good news comes. And when the good news comes, it overrules the bad news because light overrules the darkness. The big word is a type of redemption. Propitiation means redemption, means a type of atonement. It simply means that God had mercy and grace on you and me and on every person in the world in which live past, present, and into the future. We have seen broken laws of God. We've offended a righteous and holy God. And the only right thing a perfect and holy God can do is give the verdict of guilty. Because we are all guilty. And God, knowing that you and I could never save ourselves, God steps in and He makes a way. By His grace and His mercy, He sends His Son to be sent on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Not that we love God, but that God loved us. You see, when we share the gospel with people and we ask them, you know, well, uh, if you were to meet God, God says, why well, should I let you into heaven? What would you say? He says, and many times the people say, well, I, because I love God. And I say, do, do you really love God? Yeah, I love God with all my heart. I said, well, John chapter 14 says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. I say, uh, do you keep all the commandments? And they say, well, no, I mean, I've lied, I've stolen. I say, so you've broken the commandments, therefore you don't really love in the fashion you say you love. I said, but that's okay, because it's not because you love God, but that God loved you and sent his son to be the propitiation for your sin. You see, we have to clarify the fact is, is that we don't really love in the fashion we think we love, but that God, the one who created us, has made a way that we can be reunited through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is love. Do you know today that God loves each of you as individuals? I mean, genuinely, truly loves you, in your life, in your circumstances, in your struggles, in your difficulties, God loves you as an individual person. He created you in His very image. And you have wealth. You have value as a person. God is all about love. Yes, I know God is a God of wrath and but everything is rooted in His moral character, which includes love. This season we celebrate love because God is love. And if you and I would be honest, I think we could all say we need to this year learn to love better. We can find sacrifice for each other on a better scale. We can help each other better. We can show grace and mercy and patience and self-denial and humility and kindness in a better way while relying on God. And in verse 11 he says, Beloved, if God is so loved, we also ought to love one another. He wants us to love one another. He wants us to, to get plugged into the local body of Christ and be an adamant portion in which we can love one another and encourage one another and strengthen one another and challenge one another and correct one another when I go astray and you go astray and we hold each other one accountable. That's love. 
This culture we live in says, well, let's just be okay with everything in our culture. That's really love that we're not offensive. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. They hung and killed the disciples, most of all of them. Why? Because they loved the people with truth. And truth to a world that's dying hates truth. Because the truth becomes to impact the light in which, the darkness in which they enjoy what it says in Romans. We see the command again, love one another. God did love us all, therefore we should all love each other. It's something that we have to work on in the Christian community. And I'm not talking about hiding truth or, or, or not standing up for the things that God says are evil. Hiding evil. All those good things. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in the Lord loving the God-like love. Being that verse 12 No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. See that we don't miss the fact that the passage says no one has seen God at any time. Has anyone seen God lately? No. But I say yes. Yes, we've seen God. How? Well, the verb used in this passage of Scripture is not the same verb used in John 1.18, which says no one has seen God. The verb usage simply denotes the fact of having seen with the eyes. But this passage of Scripture implies something different when it says, and have not seen God. It implies a careful observation or close scrutiny. The fact that no one has seen God does not mean that God is not visible. Remember, God was made manifest. He was made visible, that which was invisible. This passage implies that when you and I, we love one another based off of the moral character of God's word, when we love each other, He shows up in our lives of those who demonstrate that love. And so the world begins to see God through us because of our love for one another. And that is what we need in the church today. We need a true, a true, genuine love for one another that the world is going to desire and yearn for. Because we live in a time when everything is so far out. Nothing's intimate. Nothing's personal. Everything now is telephones and computers and we don't ever have to sit in front of another person. When we love in that fashion, when you're going through a struggle in your life and a brother comes in and he says, I love you, man, what can I do? And he helps you. And he loves you like you're his own brother. Or when you're going through a marriage struggle and someone comes in and they counsel you and they, and they help you and they mold you and they lead you to Christ and Christ begins to morph that marriage into a Christ-centered marriage. And that's showing love and the world sees that and they desire that and they want that. And so the reality is, love is perfected in us. Who is doing the perfecting God? The Holy Spirit is working in you and through you to make you and I more like His Son, which is the perfect picture of love. 
The perfect picture of love brings glory to God. And so love reveals that that God is in us, brings glory to God, and shows the world that, that the lost world around us what He really looks like. Yet, you may meet my son. Most of you met my son. Some of you haven't because they're not here today and you're visiting. But you may meet my son or my daughter. You've never met me. You can bet because I'm investing, I'm spending time with my children. They are a great picture of their father. They are a great picture of their dad. Either the good or the bad. And you know what I see the most? Is when I see them do something bad that comes from me. And my wife goes, hmm, I wonder where they got that from. And I'll say, honey, it was you. (laughs) They have good characters and they have bad characters. And so when we begin to love as God calls us to love, it, it gives us the confidence in knowing that God is alive in our hearts so much so that in verse 13 he says, By this we know <clears throat> that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Do you realize that, that this morning you are a trademark of something when your friends, when your family, when you go this Christmas to celebrate with the people whom you know and the best, you are a trademark of something. So the question is, what trademark do you resemble? Some are marked by their favorite football team. I drive to work this morning, I've seen a car come by me and the only thing he didn't have was a paint job that said, San Francisco, 49ers on it. He was trademarked by San Francisco. He was a fan of San Francisco, 49ers. Some will be known by uh, the fashion in which they wear. Some will be known by Tommy Hilfiger or, I don't know, whatever, clothes brands. I shop at the... uh, thrift shop most of the time (laughs) or I'm blessed with somebody passing away and they give me all their clothes so but the reality is is some are are trademarked by their style of clothes I mean all you know somebody's style by their clothes right whatever trademark it is I want you to understand this morning the Bible says love should be our trademarks as Christians for one another when our family, when our friends, when they see us, they should say, he has the trademark of love written all over him. Listen to what the scripture says. John 15, verse 12. He says, my command is this, love each other as if I have loved you. It's a command. John thirteen thirty four says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must Love one another. He says it over and over and over throughout the Scriptures. Here should be our trademark. He says in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. 
if you have love for one another. That, my friends, is what we should be trademarked as. The fact that you love is proof that you have been regenerate in your heart. It is not works that save us, but love is a byproduct of salvation. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. And anyone who does not love remains in death. Listen to this one, John 4, 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. God takes this love thing seriously in our lives. And so we have to evaluate for ourselves our motives in how we love one another and the brothers and sisters in Christ. Because when we love, we only do so by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we have to pray that God would grant us the ability to love in this fashion And when we love, it truly shows that verse 14, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. When we understand that God sent His Son into the world and we put our faith and our trust in that means we're born again and then we will outpour by loving one another. By this love that we have for each other, the action that proves that we abide in Him and He in us. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in Him, He bears much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. When we love, it shows that we are bearing fruit. And when we don't love, it shows that we are not bearing fruit. So we can be a Christian and struggle with loving the brothers and sisters around us, our our wives and our children in the fashion which God calls us to do, but we can't be a Christian, a struggling Christian, if we don't repent and seek forgiveness for not loving. And that, my friend, is the call of God to love one another in patience and in mercy and self-denial and humility and kindness. In what better time to focus on that during the Christmas season. As God demonstrates His own love toward us, that this child was born, wasn't some baby, it was a baby that was born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, which showed us the greatest demonstration of love in our lives. It shows us the greatest demonstration of God's love toward us, which we should then Expound to others. And he desires that we saturate one another with this love, demonstrating to the world what God looks like. God looks like love. God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might have life to those that would place their faith in Jesus Christ. We give the gifts to people we love, to people we don't know, Because it's a great way that we can be reminded of the greatest gift of all that comes in the form of a child, the Messiah, the baby, the Christ. So by way of application, just a few things. What can we do with this message this morning? Well, maybe you need this morning to leave here 
expound the love of God to someone that's hurt you this year or in years past. Tell them you love them even though they hurt you because it reflects God in your life. It reflects God to them. It reveals who God is to them by your love. Maybe you've been harboring unforgiveness in your heart and God says today, remember my love toward you. God loved us while we were yet sinners and so that we need to love others while they even sin against us because love covers a multitude of sins. We're all going to meet with family soon and celebrate Christmas about a family member. Brother, sister, mother, father you just can't seem to love because of some part in your life past life you can have a free Christmas this year flood them with love from God reveal to them God whatever you do this season however it is you celebrate Christmas this season remember to cover it with love from the Father and take steps into the new year with new objectives of showing God to people by our love Father, we do thank you for your love.